This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Opportune's podcast. We appreciate you joining us for some energy industry thought leadership. If you are joining us for this episode, guess what? This is a part two of a two-parter podcast. So you're going to want to go find that part one and uh, get yourself caught up on the conversation because what we're exploring today is a conversation with a panel of young professionals from Opportune to visualize the future of the energy industry and some strategies to move that industry forward. So what you're going to want to do is get that part one It's about 25 to 30 minutes, and that'll tee you up neatly and land you succinctly where you need to be for today's conversation. So if you are caught up, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation. What we're doing is continuing that panel discussion that is 100% focused on the future of the industry, looking at where the energy industry's structures, workforce, and technology are at today to understand what needs to change as well as what is already changing to adapt to tomorrow's energy needs. So what we've decided to do is get the perspective of millennials in the energy industry, specifically young professionals hired at Opportune within the last four, five, six-ish years to really understand how the generation that's carrying the industry forward is also intending to shape it. So I'd like to now go down the line and reintroduce our panel of three Opportune professionals and thought leaders. Let's go down the line again. We'll start with Virginia Chan, director at Opportune. Virginia, thank you so much for joining us again. How are you doing? Great. Great to be back. Yeah, real pleasure chatting again. We're also joined by Sam Stewart, manager at Opportune. Sam, hello again. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. And last but not least, Mr. Trey Brasso, associate at Opportune. Trey, how are you? Just fine, Daniel. Thank you. Glad to hear you're doing well. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And great to have all three of you back on. I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation today. Again, for context for our audience, our three guests today, and me too, if you're interested, we're all millennials. And so the whole point of the conversation is to get that young professional experience with folks that have been in the industry now uh, five, uh, four to five years and understanding how they see the future of the industry and also how they saw the industry uh, four to five years ago, how it's changed already. So let's go ahead and jump into the rest of our conversation. All right. Thank you all for all your insights so far. What I want to do now is look at some of the strategies around what I would call the most pressing needs that the industry is facing as it tries to adapt for this incoming transition away from oil and gas in the long term and in the short term, just meeting some of the various pressures that are on the industry. So let's start with just some chat on uh, structural needs and structural challenges that the industry is facing. Big one here being building out uh, ESG strategies. So what would you say is informing these strategies the most today? And would you say that from the ones that you've seen, even though they're still sort of in that, um, I don't know, that kind of purgatory level of they're not totally formed yet, uh, are they meeting expectations even as they're still being formed? I think so. I think they're meeting expectations because um, just financially, the the industry has kind of rebounded a little bit in the last, I would say, 18 months. Um, you know, 
as a percent of the S&P, the energy used to be 15% like just a few years ago. And now it's like 3% and like three or three or four percent, which is up from like last year. So it's already rebounded somewhat. And that's because you see or partially um, a lot of it, some of its price, but also companies are are not pivoting, but they are fully embracing ESG and they're building out these teams and um, things like that. So I guess kind of like what I was saying earlier, like structurally what they're doing is um, they're establishing teams, full teams to do, to do um, environmental, social and governance. I mean, it's an absolute priority. You'll see that it's like number one after financial return. That, that is one, that is the, one of the biggest shifts that we've seen. And I would, and I would call that a structural shift. And even, you know, more to speak to the structure, it involves the entire organization and outside stakeholders. So it's board members, management teams, upper management, staff, investors. It is um, their advisors and they um, they interact with regulators and policymakers. So that is um, that's a bigger change that we've seen um, in the last, I would say, you know, year, year two. Um, and again, you know, it's all about showing that you are understanding and appreciative of the issues. You're engaging with people and you can report and repeat. That's that's what we're seeing. Yeah, and I, I still feel like we're a little bit behind, you know, what's happening in Europe and what's been happening for years in Europe when it comes to ESG. But I do think that there are things, incentives uh, like tax credits and different things that are coming into play that are actually helping this as well. Um, getting more companies involved, obviously for those incentives. So I think that will help build these teams and make it more of a topic on many of these large companies' minds over in the coming years. So if you had to offer some strategies then for how to craft an ESG in a way that represents sustainable measures, is actually materially impactful, do you have any tips or any metrics that you would make sure to emphasize in that strategy and give us the why? Embrace technology. That that's a huge one. Love it. Um, I think that I was thinking when I was kind of preparing for this, I was kind of put together like four challenges, I would say, of what oil and gas companies face. And, you know, complex operations being one, they're facing an energy transition. Um, they're reforming their business models around that. And then kind of fourth of the margins are lower. If you can embrace technology and kind of rethink how you manage your company around technology and being a little more forward thinking, you're going to be able to make better decisions that are going to allow you to overcome all of those challenges. So that that would be one of the big things. And I know Sam could speak a little more about the importance of technology with that being kind of his bailiwick, if you will. Um, so that would be that would be one that I would go with. Yeah, I definitely think even, I mean, even for our company, right? Like, I mean, we're a consulting firm. We're not, you know, out there, you know, drilling the wells, but we've, you know, added a lot of new processes and, you know, technologies and data sites and stuff like that, that help us kind of try to streamline even our own business as well. So, you know, it's not just the producers, it's everyone in the industry kind of accepting and moving forward with new technology that'll make everything more streamlined and more efficient. And I think that's a you know big part of sustainability too, is just more efficiency. So I think that's definitely technology is like, I mean, the biggest thing. And I think that's, I think we're definitely, the industry is definitely working on it. (laughs) It started very far behind, but I think it's definitely improved a lot over the past five years. It needs some help. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of these processes are just paper and manual. And, and I think it starts with reporting. I think once we get 
once these larger companies will get in there and, and report accurately, I think that that's kind of the start of everything for ESG strategies, just making sure you have accurate reporting and it's going to the right, the right audience as well. Right. Well, you teed me up perfectly because the next thing that I want to chat on is some of the needs and challenges that we see in the field, sort of in the day-to-day -day operations of the industry. You, you said it yourself, Sam, operational work streams are really lacking in the industry today. Can you give us your perspective and, and obviously anyone else who wants to chime in here, where are those work streams lacking and why? Yeah, I mean... Every industry is moving into this digital transformation. Um, so that's, I mean, the oil and gas industry is still heavily relying on paper and manual processes. A good example of this would be, you know, we worked out in the field with an oil field service company and they're relying on paper ticketing. So that's sending paper tickets out to the field to get a manual signature. You get them back and then you invoice them. And it's crazy how we would only get back, you know, 10% of the tickets. Some didn't have signatures. So that, you know, creates a ton of any, that's a, a great, uh, it basically limits the, any, the efficiency, creates room for error, limits profit. So there's a lot of issues there and there's great solutions out there for, you know, their cloud-based solutions that you can work offline as well in these rural areas um, that will streamline this process. But it's, and it's not just the oil field service group, it's, it's many sectors within the energy industry. Yeah, and so I'm not a technology guy, but I think that, um, AI in the cloud are going to be a big deal for oil and gas. Digital transformation is a, is a buzzword you hear around a lot. And I think simply it's all about just being able to make quicker and more, more enhanced and more informed decisions. You know, imagine, you know, Sam's working with that client and they're like, not only does their data like come in pretty slow, but like half of it's not there. I mean, just like think about that for a second. You know, the technology is going to allow us to, these, Oil and gas companies generate so much data. I couldn't quantify it, but so much data. And so um, all these other industries are moving forward with artificial intelligence in the cloud. Oil and gas is trying to figure that out. And whoever is not doing that is going to be making slower and worse decisions than the next guy who is. I definitely think, I mean, I think Trey mentioned this earlier, but I mean, any, drilling a well costs millions and millions of dollars. So, you know, if you're, if you don't get the data quickly enough, you may, you know, drill a well and the results aren't great, and, but you don't know. Because you you know took months to get the d data, and I mean it still takes time, and it doesn't happen instantaneously. But if you don't have the data quick enough, then you start drilling another million dollar well that doesn't also doesn't you know give you any profit. So I mean you're you know spending a lot of like everything in the industry just costs a lot of money. So the quicker you can get the data and the more accurate, the better decisions you can make, and the more profit eventually gets to stakeholders. So I think that's a I mean technology is just like there's so many positives to the technology that. And there's so much to be done that I think, you know, there's a lot of room to improve in the industry. Yeah, it's it's incredible to see some of these cloud-based solutions too, like Salesforce Field Service or FieldFX with Liquid Frameworks. They, these are systems that allow you to have offline capabilities for these very rural areas if you are drilling a well way out there. And so it's it's great to see how technology, and, and that's just in the past year or two years, you know, that that's really come about. But that will help in, in many different ways, even outside of the oil and gas industry. You've brought up technology a ton already, which that was really my last main uh, need or set of challenges I wanted to unpack. Let's just dig a little deeper there to wrap up this chunk of the conversation. Um, I heard AI, I heard the cloud. I know those are big buzzwords, obviously, across most of the digitally transforming industries today. What do you see as the potential benefits 
for AI as well as the cloud and maybe the intersection of the two for oil and gas work streams and why? Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, I would say I would start with reporting. Um, it's very important that there's visibility into the company specifically with reporting. And so a lot of this allows you, I mean, I'll, I'll bring back that ticketing example. You can't really report off of paper tickets, um, but if it is digital, it's instant. And you can pull your phone up and actually see it on your phone. Um, I'm using Salesforce for an example. I mean, you can have that on your phone at the corporate level, or you can have it at the actual field technician level. So I would just say you're, it's the availability for data anywhere, uh, whether you are offline or online. That's kind of the biggest thing that can translate outside of just reporting of tickets to reporting of ESG. Um, you can actually, a lot of these companies are, you know, adopting these ESG practices. And so there's an industry need for reporting of these metrics. And that's not just to the corporate level, that's to, you know, your stakeholders or everyone who's involved um, publicly. So I would say that it's just reporting and making it available to a larger amount of people. Yeah, I, I think that's well said, Sam. Um, that's kind of how I think about it too, particularly around the cloud. If I think of the private equity guys, a private equity firm employs this sort of cloud technology. They can see all of the data, operating data from their per 10 portfolio companies in one place with a relatively quick amount of speed. They can pull that up and benchmark across their 10 companies and say, oh, wow, look, company A is maybe not doing as well as company C this month you know, without providing a specific example. But that's kind of how I see, you know, particularly the cloud um, helping some of these private equity firms is, um, you know, housing data better in a seamless place, in a unified place to allow them to access their data and make, make better decisions. Yeah, I just think consolidation and ease of access is like the biggest thing when it comes to technology, especially because like, I mean, there's like Trey said, there's just so much information out there and on all of these for all these businesses. And so consolidating all of that data into one place and then ease of access to find it kind of anywhere, I think are the probably the, some of the two key things when it comes to technology for oil and gas companies. And do you think that data is going to be useful, if not necessary, in sort of laying out the big points on the timeline for a lot of oil and gas companies as they transition and specifically divest away from different resources, specific fossil fuels, uh, you know, maybe decide, okay, it's time to phase out this plant, this well. Um, do you see the data informing that already or uh, in a greater, um, I guess, proportion moving forward? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would say definitely, um, particularly on the ESG side. Um, you know, a lot of these companies haven't had to do as much data tracking as they probably should have in the past. And now there's an increased focus on it. And um, so we're in 2021 and we're trying to figure out how to benchmark a lot of these companies on an ESG basis. And most of the information we're looking at is 2019 stuff. And so, you know, you think about that a year behind, 18 months behind. Um, it's hard to have be show you're like dead serious on ESG when you're don't exactly know, have all of your information at hand. So I would say in terms of ESG, absolutely. And then, um, yeah, in terms of phasing out assets and things like that, I think the quicker, we all know that those kind of things are coming and the quicker you're able to do so, the better you can implement your plan and, you know, show you're serious. Yeah. And, and recently there's actually been a sustainability cloud from Salesforce that's been released and it allows you to 
kind of house all that data in one place um, and it's it's configured for sustainability. So you can even track, you know, your carbon footprint with a private jet or I, you can do so many things with this tool. And so I think more groups are getting involved with that and there's other competitors coming out as well. Um, so there's definitely stuff in the market that will help this reporting for these ESG strategies. All right, y'all, that just about does it for our conversation today. The last question I want to ask is let's tie this back to the conversation around creating an industry and a culture that is attractive to young professionals, the ones that are really driving a lot of this innovation today. Of those needs, we broke down some of the strategies you broke down for companies to prepare themselves and actively participate in this transition. How do you think all of this also intersects with and informs a strategy to continue to attract young professionals to the field? Where do you see those intersections? Yeah, I think the big thing is just staying relevant, you know, publicly. I think obviously a lot of these new professionals coming out are very, very involved in social media, involved in LinkedIn. I mean, everyone's online. So it's it's definitely staying relevant online, uh, posting articles, getting involved in thought leadership. I think that's a very, very big thing with the new generation that's actually graduating from college or even our group that is in, I mean, just a few years into the corporate world. So I would say if I could talk to any young professionals, I would just say, hey, stay involved, grow your network, um, and just kind of stay relevant. Yeah, I definitely think too, you know, showing that these companies showing that they are serious about sustainability and all the ESG stuff, I mean, is, you know, important to get to get these younger professionals interested in the industry, you know, definitely as a, you know, the oil and gas industry as a whole is seen as kind of old school you know, all that stuff. So showing that you're serious about technology moving forward and sustainability and all the other ESG stuff, I think is really important in getting, you know, new young talent into the industry. Without a doubt. Yeah. You got to show you're serious. Um, and kind of Virginia kind of touched on it. I think that, you know, a little move towards some more diversity will definitely help the industry. You know, we're not the only industry who has a problem with diversity, but, and I wouldn't even say it's a problem, but I think that you know, being continuing to push for that. I mean, you're seeing that in the industry, um, particularly um, with with more females on the board of directors and things like that. And companies are actually reporting that now. Um, and so I think that's that's kind of the second thing that I would say. Um, and then the third thing that I would say is I think that we need the industry needs to prove that we are a good steward of capital and a good steward of resources. I think in the past, the industry's kind of had a stigma for being a little gluttonous with its executive compensation and maybe spending money that it shouldn't be spending. You know, when times are good, we spend a lot of money. When times are bad, we spend a lot of money, right? And so I think showing that we're a good steward of capital and spending money maybe in places that are better, um, show that we care for the environment or for the community will go a long way with younger people. I don't think it don't think it reflects well, maybe sometimes if they you come off as particularly gluttonous or particularly, you know, like a spendthrift, if you will. All right, y'all. I think that does it for this conversation. It's really been a pleasure getting to do this two-parter with all three of y'all, better understanding uh, how the industry is already transforming and adapting for this uh, big shift to renewables that is coming you know, 10, 20 years in the future, but is already happening now. There are a lot of social, uh, economic, and political pressures on the industry, and y'all helped us lay out what's already changing and how young professionals in the industry are 
visualizing the future of the industry and what they're doing today to make that happen. So thank you again to the three of you. I'd like to just go down the line, give everyone's info again. We were uh, chatting, excuse me, today with Virginia Chan, director at Opportune, chatting with Sam Stewart, manager at Opportune, and with Trey Brasso, associate at Opportune. Virginia, Sam, Trey, it's really been a pleasure today. And if folks want to find out more about Opportune, some of your strategies, or maybe they want to be a young professional as well, at the company? How can they learn more? How can they get in touch? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can find us at opportune.com and our LinkedIn, which is opportune LLP. Thanks again for having us. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you again to the three of you. It's really been a pleasure and we'll chat again soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you everyone for watching another episode of E2B Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. We appreciate you joining us for this panel discussion. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing to E2B on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and also make sure you're heading to our website, opportune.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of E2B Energy to Business.